Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day that you have blessed us with. And may our words and may our music, everything that we say and do, honor you today in our worship. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're so glad that you have joined us for worship today. Thank you so much. If you're a guest, we especially welcome you and remind you that you have a gift out on the Welcome Center. If you go out, just pick up one of those bags that has the gift in it and some other information. But we're glad you're here. All those who have joined us by live stream, we welcome you. Todd is not able to be with us today. He tested positive for COVID yesterday. And uh, so you're stuck with me again today. <laughs> 24 hours notice, so I hope your expectations aren't great because sometimes our expectations are the greatest source of our disappointments. Just remember that. I'll take that back. I'm, I've left it in God's hands. He's given me something to share with you, and I'm going to do that today. But thank you all again for being here today. We're, we're, we just love having you here, having you here for worship together. And we welcome all of you and pray that you feel God's presence as we worship him today. Why don't you stand and greet those around you, and then we'll join in singing How Firm a Foundation. We sing together.
continue in worship as our worship team leads us.
The death of a spouse brings a unique kind of pain. I didn't have energy to do anything. I didn't care if I made dinner or ate or whatever. I didn't fit in anymore with the group of couples. I had no idea how I was going to face the future. If you feel like you're alone in your grief, be encouraged that you are not. Whatever you're facing, others have faced it too. And at a loss of a spouse event, there are people waiting to help. At a loss of a spouse event, you'll learn what to expect in the weeks and months after your spouse's death and how to survive the loneliness. Loss of a Spouse features video interviews with seven respected Christian counselors, psychologists, and pastors, plus the inspiring stories of widowed people who've learned how to rebuild their lives. And if you know people who are grieving the death of a spouse, invite them to come to this life-changing event. It's in talking about your circumstances with other people that you begin to understand your situation better. It helps you process your grief. For more information, talk with your pastor or grief share leader. church. My name is James Coleman. I'm the youth pastor here at Forks of Elkhorn Baptist Church. And I want to say welcome first. If, uh, if you're new here, welcome, welcome, welcome. I hope that you cannot be welcomed enough this morning. Um, one of the things I heard as I was going through the hiring process to come on board with you guys in this awesome community is that this is a church who welcomes people. And when you come in new, you leave knowing everybody. <laughs> so it seems to be true so far. I'm still trying to learn names. Um, so we're going to pray for Pastor Todd this morning, but um, he, he texted me and he asked me to, to lead us in our prayer time this morning and, and to read the scripture with you this morning. So what I would love to do is I would love to invite all the students, all the teachers, all the educators, if you would, uh, if you're comfortable, of course, to come up to the front and, and let us pray over you. Um, I'd love for you to, to open up the altar and anybody else who wants to come and and maybe lay, lay their hands on somebody's shoulder and pray for them and just join us in prayer as, as we lift up our students as they're going into a new school year, our educators as they're going in to teach the new school year, <laughs> um, our administrators, all, all of you who are about to tackle that hefty, hefty weight of education. So um, feel free, come forward um, as, as you would like to. I'm gonna join you down here on the floor. this world, Lord, and you have given us so much that we could be thankful for. God, we ask that you will be with these students as they go into this new season of education in their lives. Some are going into their, 
sixth grade year, some are going to their freshman year, some are about to graduate in their senior year. God, there's so much life transition that happens through our school systems. And God, it would be a sad, sad thing if you were not present in, those, in that system. So God, we ask that you, through these people, will go into the schools and be the light of Christ to the classmates, to the other teachers and administrators. God, we ask that you keep them safe. We ask that you help them to learn a lot. And that God, as they learn and grow, that they will also grow closer to you. God, we lift up any other burden that are, that are on our hearts and that are represented in this house of worship this morning. God, as, as we're preparing for loss of a spouse, I know friends that have lost a spouse. God, I pray for the peace and comfort that passes beyond all understanding. God, that as people, as people deal with the different circumstances that life is through, that a broken world has thrown at us, God, we ask that you will bring healing and comfort. Help us to lean in on you instead of pushing away from you. Help us to trust, God, that you're with us through every, every circumstance. And God, forgive us for all the different ways that we fall short of your glory daily. Forgive us, God, and help us also to forgive ourselves. Help us to give ourselves fully to you and surrender the things that we wanna keep control of. For God, we give all praise, we give all honor and all glory to the only one who is worthy of it all. In the name of Jesus Christ, our King, and all God's people agree and said, amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Micah chapter six, verses six through eight. It says, oh gosh, I gotta pick it up here. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God.
if Todd's listening, I want him to know my hands are freezing. He talks about his hands. Mine are freezing today. That doesn't happen very often. But I'm so glad to be able to be able to do this uh, in his absence today. And I have to admit to you, I, I had two different sermons, believe it or not, in 24 hours that I was working on. But I woke up very early this morning, and this one that I'm sharing with you today was just on my heart, this passage of Scripture that JT read today. And uh, I felt like it must have a message for someone because it was so heavy on my heart today. So um, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your presence with us today, for your love, for your grace, for your mercy. And uh, we just pray that the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your side, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. JT, thank you for reading that passage of Scripture this morning. And today, as we look at this passage of Scripture, it is important that we understand the context of that passage of Scripture. You have to understand in verses 6 and 7, the people of Israel are speaking in a very sarcastic way, a very narcissistic way about, about their religious rituals. In essence, they were saying, we have given the best we have, and our gifts are not good enough for God. They were fooling themselves. They were hiding behind all of their religious rituals, that were, and they were sincere, but it lacked heart. They were very sincere in their rituals. They were very sincere in what they were offering to God, but it lacked heart. And they were offering sacrifices, but it was not changing their behavior. They were offering sacrifices, and their faith had become empty because they had become more focused on following the law rather than deepening their relationship with God. They were caught up in giving more and making their sacrifices and gifts even larger. They had allowed the most important thing to slip away because they were concentrating on how to do rather than what to do. In essence, they had gotten so busy with the details that they had forgotten why they were doing what they were doing. The heart had been substituted by a zeal to fulfill religious law which led the, the prophet to speak clearly in verse 8, reminding them what God, what was most important to God. And in Micah 6, 8, it's very simple to understand. I believe it's one of the most dynamic statements of faith in all of Scripture. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? We see this theme throughout the Old Testament, this theme of walking humbly with God. And I believe when the prophet said, oh man, I believe he was speaking to all mankind. I believe it was God's message for all mankind to do good, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. Micah points out that the only demands which God places on us are to do justice in our relationships, to show kindness to others, and most importantly, walking humbly with God. And as we look at this passage, we see two of the parts that deal with our relationship with people. And then one part deals, and then this is the most important part, it deals with our relationship with God. This is because it's, ra it's rather futile to talk about a relation, a right relationship with people if you do not have a right relationship with God. And we must come to respect the men and women that God has created in his image. In 1 John 4.20, the writer says this, We are not likely to love God whom we have not seen 
unless we come first to love our fellow humans whom we can see. So today I want to look briefly this morning at three basic concepts that I feel like are found in this passage of Scripture. And the first one is that God expects us to do justice in our relationships. What does that mean? Justice means that we must set right those things that are wrong in our relationships. Without a right heart of love and compassion for people, you cannot find favor with God. A right relationship with God includes a heart of love for people, and justice is a very easy word to say. We talk about justice all the time. We talk a lot about injustice, but we also talk about justice a lot. And it's an easy word to say, but it's not easy to live out what justice really means. We live in a world where there's violence and where the innocent suffer. We live in a world where there's hatred and people are hurt. We live in a world where there is hunger and people are starving. And we live in a world where there is prejudice and people are denied their basic human rights. Doing justice means that we do what is right and fair between men. And we must have a passion to see that every person has a decent opportunity to live their lives without, with the opportunity to live life to its fullest. And it is our job to help them understand that living their life to the fullest includes a right relationship with God. Wherever there are people who are oppressed, wherever there are people who suffer discrimination, wherever there are people who suffer hate, if we are to do what God expects us to as Christians, then we must work to bring about justice in our relationships on a daily basis. We may not be able to do much about eliminating injustice in the world, but we are expected to bring justice into our personal relationships. And I think that's what the scripture was saying, that God required. We need to do justice in our relationships. Justice means treating one another with dignity, without consideration of the color of their skin, whether they are rich or poor, whether they are male or female. It means believing that all people are created equal in the eyes of God. It's not a political issue, it's a moral issue. All people are created equal, and it is a call to be just in our relationships with each other daily. Justice is found in our relationship with Christ, and I believe that we are all in the same, we are all, I've said this for years, we're all the same at the foot of the cross. Every one of us are the same at the foot of the cross. God loves us all, he wants us all to share that love, all encompassing encompassing love. God loves us all and he wants us to share that love with others daily and that is what it means to be just and fair. God has been more than just and fair with us allowing people to see the evidence of his justice being modeled in our lives is the least that we can do. That's the least that we can do. So what the prophet Micah was saying to the people of Israel was that they were practicing religion with an empty heart. In other words, they were caught up so much in doing that they forgot what they were doing and why they were doing it. Doing religion and living it are two very different things. And I think most of us know that. Doing it and living it are two very different things. We're asked to do what is right and good in our relationships. And if we all did, we could change the world, or rather, God could change the world through us. So now, secondly today, God expects us to show mercy and kindness to others. I don't believe you can separate mercy and kindness from justice. Justice help, helps us see what a person deserves. And mercy enables us 
to extend God's love and goodness to those who are in misery and distress and to show them acts of kindness, to show them compassion and favor. We are all his hands. We are his eyes. We're his feet in the world. And it is through us that others can see his love and his mercy. And it's important that we understand that we do not work for God. We work with him. And that was, I read that in a book I've been reading. It's called When to Walk Away. And it was talking about there are times when we do have to walk away. I'll mention that a little bit later. But I love that passage when he said, or that passage in the book that said, it is important that we understand that we do not work for God. We work with him. And it's the most important job that we can ever have. We all need mercy extended to us. And what better way than by God's hand? Showing mercy and kindness it grows out of the faithful love that comes from God and our daily walk with him. And I stress that, our daily walk with him. It is certainly not a sign of weakness, but it's a sign, I feel, of great strength. It shows the world that we want to be in a right relationship with God and in a right relationship with each other. And it's much deeper than just being tolerant of others. And it is part of who we are in Christ, who, is, who he, he has extended us mercy and grace. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. If we have a heart for God, then love and mercy are going to flow from our hearts. And yes, sometimes it can be costly. In his love and in his kindness and in his grace and in his mercy, God gave Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for our sins. And because of that, we should be compelled to go into the world and share that love. In doing so, we bring out the best in others, and it also brings out the best in us as well. Persistent, sacrificial love spelled out in this passage is something that is to be practiced every day. And as Christians, it flows naturally from our hearts. Some may not admit it, but we all want to be loved, I think. Most people do anyway. We want to be loved. We want to feel loved because it makes us feel comfortable. It makes us feel belonging, in, belong to something, and it makes us feel comfort. However, we do not sacrifice our convictions or our principles to be loved, nor by loving do we continue, do we condone the things that um, are, are go against God's word. And everything that happens, we need to compare it to what God's word says. And it doesn't mean that we agree with each other all the time. Sometimes it means walking away, as I just mentioned earlier. Sometimes we have to walk away. However, in all circumstances, we must consistently show God's love by how we react and how we respond. And that's a sermon in itself, reacting and responding. Through God's mercy, kindness, and grace, we have been set free, even though we don't deserve it. And that is why it is so important that we interact with others with grace and kindness that flows from our relationship with him. Our daily walk with him strengthens our ability to do so. Though if through, through it, often others will see God at work. And that's our goal, is for others to see God at work in our lives by showing this grace and this mercy that he speaks about in this passage of Scripture. Thirdly today, God expects us to walk humbly with him. This is the most important part of this verse. 
God expects us to walk humbly with him. And I believe it's impossible to show justice, to show kindness, and to show mercy without walking humbly with God. And what does it mean to you to walk humbly with God? Often people think walking humbly with God means doing things that are religious, like preaching, like teaching Sunday school class, like leading music, like being a deacon. All those things are good, and there's nothing negative about those things. Nothing wrong with them at all. And I applaud all of you who, who have a servant heart, who are serving in so many capacities in this church. However, to be effective, we must have a servant's heart. In order to have a servant's heart, you need to walk humbly with God, as he spells out in this passage of Scripture. That means talking with him, taking him with us wherever we go, staying with him wherever we stay, and in doing so, he raises us to heights unimaginable because the God who created the universes is mindful of us. And that reminds me of that passage of Scripture in Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? The God of the universe loves us so much. And that blows me away when I think about that. The God who created everything, he loves us. He wants to have a relationship with, with us. So godly justice and godly mercy and kindness can be achieved if we are walking with God. And one writer has translated that to say, to walk humbly with our God is to live in quiet fellowship with him. A right relationship with God is what justice, mercy, and kindness are all about. We can go through the religious rituals, but we'll never have, but we'll never have heart if we are not walking with God. We'll never have heart in anything that we do if we're not walking with God. I've often asked the question of myself and so many others, who is your audience? Who is your audience? Well, our audience should believe, I believe Jesus addressed this when he said, beware of practicing your piety before men in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. We must understand that we have an audience of one, we have an audience of one, and that audience is God the Father, and we should focus on pleasing him and showing others how they can know him and know his peace, his mercy, and his grace, and how to humbly walk with him. Time and time again, the nation of Israel proved that passion without heart brought great disaster and failure. Without heart, our efforts and our work are worthless just as the sacrifices of the people of Israel were when they were just going through the motions with their religious rituals. They had lost heart and were feeling sorry for themselves. They failed to understand what we need to understand today. Walking humbly with God means living our lives so that others can see him in us. Walking with God Humbly with God means living in quiet fellowship with him. Walking humbly with God means that you seize the opportunities to work with God in reaching others. God brings the conviction, we bring the message, and God does the work. God brings the conviction, we bring the message, and God does the work. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. My question for you today is, are you walking humbly with God? Are you doing what God expects of you? 
Are you showing justice in your relationships with one another? You can. Every day is a new day. God's mercies are new every morning. And that's why I say it's a daily walk. It is a daily walk, walking humbly with God. I would ask you to examine your heart today and ask God to help you know what he is asking as we pray together. Lord, thank you for the message of, from this great prophet. And I pray that I, we, all of us would show justice and kindness and mercy because of your love for us and because the way you work in our lives. Father, we love you. And we love assembling together to bring honor and glory to your name. Thank you for that opportunity. And thank you for all the servants in this church, the ones with servant hearts who serve so faithfully and so willingly. And we pray that uh, you would bless their lives and continue to use them in those positions. And Father, help us all, help us all every day to walk humbly with you and understand what humbleness is and understand what humility is and understand that it all comes from you. Again, thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your grace, and for your mercy. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing together. I don't know what is on your heart today. If you have a decision you feel like you need to make, we'd love to. If it's coming to know Christ for the first time, nothing would give us any more pleasure than to share that with you. If you want to be part of this church and want to come and join this church, we welcome you with open arms. JT mentioned that. It is a welcoming church, and we would welcome you with open arms. And uh, we, we just, whatever God's laid on your heart today, I'm going to leave it in your hands. We're going to sing together, and I'll be standing down here to receive you if you come forward.
thank you. And you may be seated for just a few minutes. We want to welcome our newest member here today. Thank you. All right. Michael Tate. Michael, come up here with me and stand. And uh, who did you say invited you today? Kyle. Kyle. Kyle, come up here and stand with him. You guys must be friends. All right. Michael, long-time friends. We're certainly glad to have him today. And Michael Tate, and he's coming on a, a, a letter by letter from another church or by statement of faith? By statement of faith. He's coming by statement of faith, and we welcome him with open arms. You rejoice with him. Show him. He keeps telling me, follow Jesus, Michael. He said, he keeps telling me, follow Jesus, Michael, follow Jesus. And there's no better way than, than following Jesus, right? Well, Michael, we're glad you're here. We're glad. And I want to give people the opportunity to greet you after the service out in the foyer. I'll stand out there with you. Kyle, if you'll stand out there with him as well as his friend. And thank you for inviting him. And, and Michael, thank you for listening to God's call this morning. So, all right, you may be seated. And when we finish, we'll, we'll uh, walk out together. Thank you all for being here today. And thank you for your patience and for a 24-hour sermon. <laughs> and it didn't last 24 hours. That you can be grateful for. Absolutely. So, uh, but anyway, thank you for that. And just continue to pray for Todd. I think he's going to have to be in isolation until Thursday. If all goes well, he'll be out of isolation Thursday. Uh, and uh, we want to remember the Perry family and Scott's passing that funeral. Visitation's tomorrow night and the funeral is Tuesday. And uh, I think David Rayburn will be doing that funeral since Todd is, he was going to assist anyway. Uh, and since Todd is sick, he's not going to be able to do that. But just keep praying for him. And uh, all the opportunities that we have Wednesday night, I'm probably going to be doing it Wednesday night, <laughs> it looks like. So come for our prayer meeting, our prayer service time. We'd love to have you. And just look at uh, look the website, and uh, you can do your uh, QR code on your phone and look at all the activities uh, that we have going on this week. We'd love to have you to be part of it. But thank you again for being here today. We're going to stand and we're going to sing, and then I'm going to pray, and then we'll be dismissed. God, that is our prayer. In our lives, may you be glorified, and may we walk humbly with you every day. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.